Coming Back is a listener-supported podcast. If you like the show and want to see it reach more grieving ears and hearts, support Coming Back on Patreon at patreon.com slash shelbyforsythia. My Patreon supporters get exclusive access to weekly grief journaling prompts and live grief hangouts with me. Pledge for as little as $1 per month and change or cancel your support at any time. Join this growing behind-the-scenes community now at patreon.com slash shelbyforsythia. Thank you so much for listening to Coming Back. Hi there, and welcome to Coming Back, a podcast about coming back to life after death, divorce, diagnosis, and more. On today's show, I'm sitting down with musician Neil Davis, whose latest single, Not Better, is the result of his grief over the sudden death of his father. We get the privilege of hearing Not Better in the show's credits today. Also on the show this week, you have asked and I have listened. Grief journaling prompts are here, and I cannot wait to explore each week with you. I'm sharing how you can join me for grief journaling, plus some really crazy and fantastic goals for coming back in 2019. And, of course, I am revealing the winner of my In the Meantime Grief Books giveaway. I hope it's you. I'm Shelby Forsythia, an intuitive grief guide who speaks, writes, and teaches powerful truths on grief and loss. My mom's death in 2013 set me on the path to becoming a lifelong student of grief, and I use what I learned to equip others with the knowledge to heal and remind them that they are not alone. Because even through grief, we are growing. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to season six of Coming Back. I am so absolutely delighted to be here with you, and I can't thank you enough for tuning into the show today. Before we get into it, I want to let everyone know that Coming Back is turning two years old on Tuesday, May 14th, and you are invited to what I like to call a podcast anniversary party to celebrate with me. Once a year, I go live in my private Facebook group, The Grief Growers Garden, for a full hour to share my coming back journey with you and to take your questions on grief, loss, life, podcasting, and what it's like to be a grieving person in the world today. To join me live for the podcast anniversary party, request to join The Grief Growers Garden, if you haven't already, before May 14th, and be sure you're online in the group on Tuesday, May 14th at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. I cannot wait to see you there, grief goers. I will be wearing a party hat, and I hope you'll be wearing yours too. Find the link to join me for Coming Back's two-year podcast anniversary and so much more in the show notes for this episode. Second order of business, it is time to announce the winner of my In the Meantime Grief Books giveaway. As a reminder, grief growers, I host a giveaway each time I step away from coming back in April, August, and December of each year. This go-round, the winner receives a copy of Catherine H. Murray's new book, Now You See the Sky, a copy of Dr. Sharon Prentice's book, Becoming Starlight, three Coming Back podcast stickers, and a personal thank you note from me. And the winner of my April In the Meantime grief book giveaway is, drumroll please, Gail M. Hooray! (laughs) Gail, I am so excited to send these books, these stickers, and this little note to you uh, in the mail. So please check your email for a congratulatory note from me asking for a physical address where everything can be sent. And thank you so much, Grief Growers, for participating with me. I received over 100 entries for this contest, most of them, about 25 of them, shame on you, in the last day. (laughs) 
of the contest. Uh, and But I am always so excited to run another grief book giveaway in August. So stay tuned to the show to hear which grief books will be included uh, the next go round. And I'll let you know where you can enter for your chance to win. Now we will segue into even more exciting stuff, grief growers. This is just uh, a blast of a time at season six. All right. So during my time away from producing coming back, I took quite a bit of time to reflect on the things I want the podcast to be able to accomplish in the next little while. I also had a chance to connect with all of you through Patreon, email, and my private Facebook group, The Grief Growers Garden, to see what you'd like to see next from me and the show and to see if we like match up in some way. And what I found grief growers and what really resonated with me as a creator was your desire for online grief courses for me. You all want to see me make online courses that you can access at any time from one hour quick tip courses to courses intended to study over weeks or months, kind of more intensive courses of study. A lot of you want to take a course on my bereavement cruise workshop, which is honoring secondary loss. Others of you want to learn how to navigate friendships after the death of a loved one, or some of you want to hold space when other people share their hard and traumatic and honestly energetically draining loss stories with you. Even more of you still, grief growers want guidance on creating your own meditations and mantras that personally speak to your own grief in the aftermath of loss. These ideas are so huge, grief growers. I get chills talking about them because I am more than honored to be a channel for this information and the person who's creating these things for you out in the world. Making online courses in my brain is like a trifecta of the mediums that I've already dabbled in. So producing audio here on coming back to recording video for YouTube and Facebook Live, which I've already done to writing articles and stories on loss for coming back and for my blog. So online grief courses are a remarkable triple whammy fusion of everything I already kind of know how to do. And I'm super pumped to learn how to marry them all together to bring you online grief courses that will offer solid guidance and structure for you outside the podcast. I can totally see them. And that vision is calling to me. I'm getting chills again. Um, just like it's calling to all of you. But here's the thing, grief growers, and I need to get really vulnerable here with you for a moment. Creation wise and creator wise, I am at capacity for what I am able to accomplish with the tools and space and time that I have in my life right now. Some of you know this, but some of you don't. I work about 32 to 38 hours a week for a pair of restaurants here in Chicago, and even more than that every week for being always on for their social media and their website presence. And outside of that job, I write, produce, record, schedule, and source guests for coming back, including reading guests' books in their entirety, because I want to vet the resources that I share here on the show. I am also writing blog posts, jumping on email or phone to be featured in others' articles about grief and loss, and I'm also doing private grief coaching for listeners who want more support outside of the show. Beyond that, I am still plugging away at my book, Permission to Grieve, which I hope to have released to all of you by the end of this year. Uh, my grief work through coming back and beyond takes up anywhere from 20 to 35 additional hours per week. So I am trucking along at high speeds and uh, I'm getting to a place where I, I feel like I'm hitting a ceiling for lack of better phrasing. And don't get me wrong, grief growers, this is work that I love. 
with everything in me. This grief work is work that I want to spend the rest of my life doing. But in doing more for coming back and for all of you, I need to level up. My heart and this work and these conversations are ready to get to that next level, professional online grief coaching. I have dreamed of creating grief coaching courses before I even started coming back. And now that your vision and mine are are kissing each other, they're lining up, I think that it's time that we get there together. Now, if you don't know where this is going, I am about to ask you for money, grief growers. And I know that that's weird and hard, especially within the context of this being a podcast about grief. But bear with me for a second here. Let's see where this goes. Full disclosure, a thousand percent vulnerability, my big dream before the end of 2019, but ideally as soon as humanly possible, is to rent a private office here in Chicago. This is a space north of the city with a window and four walls and a door and a key where I can set up recording equipment, video equipment, computer, podcasting, and have everything safe behind closed doors. I've seen it in person, and it's a space that gives me chills. And if you've listened to the podcast long enough, you know (laughs) all the chills I've been having at the top of the show. You know that that's a sign of yes, something is happening here. This private office is a space that is well lit for beautiful video quality for these soon to be realized grief courses. There is no train running overhead, as I'm sure you've been hearing in the background during this top of the show. So it's a big leveling up from the first floor apartment where I currently put together coming back. Beyond producing online grief courses here, I can see grief clients in person, one-on-one, where I've previously only been able to work over the phone and grief growers, my work, this podcast, and all of our visions for what comes next will finally have a designated home. I can take coming back and my umbrella of grief support to the next level. And I want you to come with me, grief growers. I really, truly do. I want to build this thing together. Now, let's talk about how. You've heard me talk about Patreon a lot on this show. The introduction to every episode of Coming Back reminds you that this podcast is listener-supported and funded on a website called Patreon. And what Patreon is, is a platform that helps creative people like me get funded by the people who love their work the most, all of you grief growers. And if you like the work that I do in the world and want to help me make more of it, you can pledge on Patreon at literally any amount, starting at $1 per month, And on Patreon, it's kind of like a membership site where you get to watch these big milestones and goals get reached because of your support. It is such an incredible platform to build community and vision together. And I have so enjoyed being on Patreon this past year and a half. So let me tell you how awesome Patreon and the people who pledge to support the show are. Thus far, my patrons have helped me pay Coming Back's virtual rent online so the podcast can remain live and available all over the world. This is something that's no longer coming out of my pocket, which is really, really incredible. My Patreon patrons have also helped me raise enough money to afford to be able to create podcast swag like the stickers that I send to patrons all over the world and to giveaway winners as well. And these things help spread the word about Coming Back in a fun way. And most powerfully, most recently, my Patreon patrons through their monthly contributions helped me pay for my flight to the 2019 Bereavement Cruise where I connected with over 70 grieving hearts and gave my very first in-person grief presentation to a full audience called Honoring Secondary Loss. And holy freaking cow, was that amazing. Now, before you say 
that pledging on Patreon is too much commitment, or I don't want another monthly bill, or my teeny little contribution will not help jack diddly squat, let me tell you this. I did some math, and if every person who listened to Coming Back on a regular basis pledged just $5 a month, I could quit my day job and do this podcast and grief work full time. I kid you not, if every person who listened to Coming Back on a regular basis pledged just $5 per month, I could quit my day job and do this podcast and grief work full time. Not only would you get online grief coaching courses straight from my heart and soul, with that kind of money, I could expedite the editing and publishing process of Permission to Grieve and get it into your hands sooner. I could build my heart's dream since beginning to envision coming back, which is in-person grief retreats of my own, where we could all come together to write out our griefs, share in tears and laughter together, watch grief-related movies over popcorn, learn valuable tools through workshops and creative projects, and howl our heartbreaking, life-changing losses out loud. And I get chills talking about something as big and enormous as quitting my job and doing grief retreats, grief growers, because I can see it so clearly. It has been sitting literally in the bottom of my heart, in the depths of my soul since this thing started. I see it. I truly do. And I know one day that I will get there through your support and through all of the work that I do. So if you'd like to help me, Grief Growers, please pledge to support the show at patreon.com slash Shelby Forsythia. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Shelby Forsythia. You can always always find a link to my Patreon page in the show notes and over on my website, shelbyforsythia.com. But I'll tell you something else, and I promise I'm almost done. But that is not all. (laughs) I feel like a used car salesman. Um, You don't just get the joy of supporting the show when you pledge grief growers. I have made and I provide so much off the air on Patreon as my way of saying thank you to the people who figuratively pour a little extra energy into supporting coming back every single month. So when you pledge on Patreon, here's what you get. You unlock so much behind the scenes stuff, including live hangout time with me every month, articles and personal grief stories that I do not share anywhere else online, podcast stickers and swag, and just released two days ago, weekly grief journaling prompts to help guide and direct you on your path. I am sharing my own lost stories in these weekly journals, as well as the resources like books and websites and quotes and activities that spoke to me after the loss of my mom. Maybe they'll speak to you as well. In these weekly grief journals, all of you are invited to share your own stories in the comments on Patreon, and I'm spending a little extra time there each month to respond to and hold space for all of you who truly, honestly, powerfully keep my work and this show going. You can pledge now at patreon.com slash Shelby On that Patreon page, you'll see my welcome message and video, the rewards you'll receive by pledging, and my favorite part, the goals I have for the future. Right now, my big goal is to reach $1,000 per month on Patreon. That is the monthly rent on this Heart of Chicago office space, and I have already decorated it in my mind, grief growers. I am energetically chomping at the bit to create these online grief courses for you, but I do need the creative space, time, and support to be able to make it happen. 
If you are already a supporter on Patreon, I know that some of you have been with me since the very beginning, since January of 2018. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. The lights stay on because of you. And when I feel like I can't keep my head above water as a side hustling grief podcasting entrepreneur, I think of all of you behind me and keep going. Because I know that our dreams are worth it. And I know that our griefs and our hearts are worth it too. If you are not yet a supporter on Patreon, please know that you'll receive two amazing things when you pledge on Patreon. First, that behind-the-scenes content I've created just for you, including journals, articles, videos, and podcast swag. But second, the knowledge that you are directly supporting me and you and so many other grieving hearts in the world who need these messages of coming back. You are literally helping me create new ways for people to verbalize, think about, and do grief. And these are things that I desperately needed in the heart of my loss. And I imagine, I mean, since you're listening to the show, that's probably true in some way for you too, grief growers. If you have the financial means, even to pledge at $1 per month on Patreon, it would be so incredibly appreciated. These are my dreams, guys. My super vulnerable with your help and support goals for this podcast and beyond. And I am so honored that I get to share them on this show and in this lifetime with you. I hope I see you soon for grief journaling, hangouts, and so much more at patreon.com slash Shelby Forsythia. And thank you always for listening to Coming Back. Next up, my interview with Neil Davis, who is, in fact, not better after losing his dad to a sudden heart attack in 2017. Grief is setting sail twice on the 2020 bereavement cruises to join a boatload of grieving hearts for interactive grief workshops, heart healing craft projects, Circles of Hope, and a beautiful candlelit night of remembrance at sea. Request more information at comingbackcruise.com. You'll be contacted by the cruise's organizer and previous Coming Back podcast guest, Linda Finley, to hear more about your choice of two tropical cruises setting sail in 2020. And when you're ready, she'll help you reserve your spot on board. Bereavement cruise cabins do go quickly, so request more information now at comingbackcruise.com where grief finds support and community on the open sea. Neil Davis is a singer, songwriter, pianist, and New York native. He has had the pleasure of performing in front of iconic figures, including Nelson Mandela, Tony Bennett, and Britney Spears. And recently, Neil made his Carnegie Hall debut in January, performing with two-time Grammy Award winner Lauren Daigle. Neil's single, Not Better, which he's sharing with us today, is a song about grief, composed after the sudden death of his father in 2017. You can find Neil's song Not Better wherever music can be purchased or streamed. Neil, I'm so excited that you're joining me for the podcast coming back today because we have had a couple of musicians on the show who have written songs in tribute to grief. So I'm really stoked to have you on to share your story of your inspiration for the song, Not Better, as well as how your musical journey has changed since your loss occurred. Uh, so won't you share your story with us? Well, thank you so much, uh, first off, for even having me on. I am so grateful for you and this podcast. Um, so thanks for, um, for existing, um, you know, for, for, um, for starters. But um, yeah, my um, 
grief story um, or my loss story is that I <clears throat> unexpectedly lost my dad um, in t- the summer of 2017 uh, due to just an instant cardiac arrest. Um, and it just came as, you know, a total shock and a total surprise to me and my family and um, just kind of really put a stop to just, you know, a lot of things at once. It was just, you know, an overwhelming loss. Um, I was really close with my dad and, um, you know, something like losing them on an, in an instant with no warning was just a really big hit, you know, to me emotionally and, you know, all of the things that come along with it. So I, at the time, um, was preparing to release new music and had a bunch of um, plans and dates set and things to do for new music that I was releasing. And, you know, after it happened, I definitely took a big kind of break to start, you know, my own processing of what happened and, um, you know, the healing that was coming along with it and the, you know, the shock was starting to slowly wear off after a while. But um, through that, I was able to get back to music and found myself um, kind of putting two and two together through a song that I I recently finished called Not Better, which um, I released and um, kind of put out there in March. And... Um, that was the first song that came to me since the loss after many days and months, you know, at the piano singing and playing and trying to kind of figure out what I was going through. Um, but yeah, in a nutshell, um, or a, a very long nutshell that, uh, that's sort of kind of what's been, that's been my like grief story. Um, and I, I would say that like music's been like a very, um, important part of that for me. I think that's really significant because so many listeners, and I think so many humans in general have creative pursuits, creative outlets, creative hobbies. Uh, And so to have grief roll through, oftentimes these creative outlets are like the one thing that not remains the same per se, because even our creativity changes in grief, but, um, but it's something that we can continue to go back to. Uh, I want to share with you something that I circled over and over again. I, I take notes as I, uh, I visit with my guests on the show is the word instant, 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 as it, as it yeah. relates to the loss of your dad. Um, and also shock, I underlined in big letters. And can you share kind of more with us about maybe the moment that you received the news and then the first maybe days or weeks after the loss of your dad and trying to negotiate, holy shit, what is life like now? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I I will never forget getting that call. Um, my, I was funny enough, this is so cliche sounding of a musician, but I was actually home sitting at my piano, um, just like, just doing some new stuff and just messing around on the piano. And my brother-in-law called me and um, I answered the phone and he was like, Hey, your dad had a heart attack. 
And that's like all we knew of it at that point. And they were like, he's, you know, he's on the way to the hospital right now. Um, you know, do you want to meet us there or do you want me to come get you or whatever? And at that moment, um, my entire body went numb. Um, I would say like my legs went numb and for, I just had a very strong feeling about this heart attack, just not being a light heart attack. I had a just weird gut feeling, um, that this was like not a good, a good thing at all. Um, so yeah, I, I went completely numb, um, in shock and like threw on any, it was summer, it was July. I like literally threw on a pair of sandals and like, he just picked me up and we drove over to the hospital. And when I got there, my dad was just completely unconscious and, um, you know, being treated on every, you know, with, with every machine, I guess you could imagine. Um, and seeing that was horrible. Um, and I remember, like you said, like, holy crap, like, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? Like that went through my head, but weirdly enough, like within the first two weeks of that time period, my mind and like soul went into this like super hero mode of like, we're going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. We're going to talk to the doctors. We're going to get all the notes. Every, everything's going to be fine. Like we're going to figure this out. And then slowly but surely, like the bad news came at the end of, of that was that he wasn't going to survive. And it, it's just, it's, I think I'm just now a year and a half in able to process it because at that point I, I was like, okay, I got this. Like it, it almost seemed like easier to handle in that moment for some reason and then as it wore off, like a month or two later, I just completely went into like severe grief. And, you know, obviously like the anxiety and depression that comes along with it was definitely there. Um, but it, I think that initial shock of like, yeah, he's not coming back um, was just, it took a while to to swallow for me because you know, just that initial, um, you know, the doctors telling you that it's just, it was just overwhelming for me and, you know, everyone that was, you know, you know, my family and everyone that was there. So, but yeah, I would say instantly I, I went into this, like, I'm going to be there for my mom and my family and like, we're going to do this. And, you know, we kind of kept it going and we were okay and then I feel like I fell apart slightly, like, you know, after like a month or two after I was just like, you know, finally able to really feel every, you know, he's not coming back. I think in the moment, and now I'm remembering this more now, you almost feel like, you almost feel like, and I'm sure listeners can relate, like you almost feel a sense of denial of like, oh no, like, they're, I'm going to feel like they're still here. Like, no, they're going to come back. Like, I'll see them tomorrow. Like, you almost go into this weird telling yourself, like, it's okay because I'm going to see them tomorrow. But when you really start to realize that they're not coming back is when it hits hard. Um, so, yeah. 
Absolutely. And sometimes it's like the smallest things that remind us that they're not here anymore. Like you get up and there's no coffee made and that was like their job in the house. And you're like, yeah. oh my God, now they're really gone. Or it's these larger things of like holidays or special occasions where there's now an empty chair at the table. Oh, yeah. And you're like, wow, yeah. that really drives it home. That was that was a huge one for us. I mean, coming from a big Italian family and he was kind of like the chef of the family. He um, always did holidays and Christmas was huge and Easter was huge for him. And we always hosted things at our family's house. And, you know, there was just, he was just like a very big part of those traditions and um, his presence and everything was very loud and fun. And, you know, he was very lively. So the first Christmas just, you know, last Christmas, I like barely could sit at the table. It was just the worst, you know, just kind of the worst thing. I know that in terms of your music, you've been featured in a lot of places. You've recently performed at Carnegie Hall. And if I'm uh, not mistaken, you've also been on the Today Show as well. Yeah, my my song was on the Today Show, um, Smile. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering um, if any of your grief ever made it to like a public space or a public platform before the release of not better and maybe what that was like as well to have, because I know 90 to 95% of the world gets the quote unquote privilege of grieving with some semblance of privacy. But I wonder if that was still true for you or if you put up any boundaries or borders of what you will and will not share online. I found that, very soon after, it was sort of hard for me to put it out there um, just to give like myself and my family and him like some privacy. Um, I also, I think in general, there's this pressure, especially on social media, to like constantly have this, you know, perfect or happy or, you know, certain type of um, messaging that you give across. And I do like to keep things positive. So when this happened, I, I just felt like, I mean, I wasn't even so much concerned about social media after this happened. So I think I took a break in general, but, um, there was some pressure to keep things quiet. I just, you know, wanted to process it for myself and wanted to, I don't know, just kind of have a moment with myself and like with everything that happened. But um, I did feel pressure around, um, I guess, situations where like if I were performing, like I didn't want them to feel uncomfortable knowing that I had just lost my dad. And then I didn't want to show up being the person that lost their dad. And like, it was just this thing of like, I almost had to break that wall by starting to talk about it more and be like, a little bit more open versus, um, you know, Hey, everyone, everything's okay. Like I'm here. Like instead I, I, and it was a growing moment for me too, to be like, okay, this is what I went through. This is a big part of my life and it's big, a big part of life in general. So I think it's okay to, to like talk about it and, and share, um, share aspects of it that that you're willing to share. So I grew into talking about it more. And I would say now I'm finally like, it's really part of my story now. And 
you know, it's part of, like I said, part of life. So I've, um, I've been coming to terms with it more. That makes a lot of sense because I feel like there is a lot of societal pressure. I mean, especially as a musician, I grew up playing piano for the first 14 years of my life. And there's this pressure that music is like a joyful thing and like a celebration. And I think people forget that music also comes from oftentimes a really dark or mm-hmm. heartbroken space. Uh, and so being able to speak about grief as someone who is a performer is is really cool. I think it's a it's a unique window of opportunity to be like, this is what's actively happening right now. And I am creating yeah. in the midst of it. Yeah, for sure. And what a, an outlet to be able to have to, to get that out. I feel like we're lucky, you know, in a big way to have music and an instrument to like funnel those feelings that are so heavy on us. And I felt that for, you know, I've been feeling that, but I felt that really, you know, that was a lot of like the beginning process of grieving. And I remember sitting with a manager who I was just chatting about music stuff with. And she was like, I think there's a lot there for you to dig into right now. Like since this happened, don't even worry about like your old, like the previous stuff you've recorded that I was gearing up to release. She was like, just like, it's cool to give that like a minute. I think you've got some other stuff here to dive into. And when I finally like accepted that, um, in the beginning, I tried to like, just kind of like generically like start writing and like things like that. And it was, nothing was coming out about it. Like there, there were no words about, you know, this kind of heavy loss that, you know, losing a parent and like instantly losing someone like in the blink of an eye, you know, due to cardiac arrest, like there was just not, there were, there was nothing I felt like I could say to even like capture that. Um, but it started happening more so like as, as a journal entry. And it was like, I started journaling like almost little like letters, um, that were sort of to him. And it was a way for me to like, to process, um, what had happened. And then I started turning those little entries into clips of songs like with chords behind it at the piano um and and then i found myself like really going through my grieving process like sitting at the piano putting these lyrics to to the melodies that i was creating and it really in a way i felt like my heart lifting like as i was doing it because i felt like i had finally connected to a way to like get this sort of pain out and this like grief and the sadness out, um, which was not better. That was like the first thing that came out about it. Can you say more about that process? Because I am hyper curious now about this heart lifting sensation. I've experienced this in my own grief in my own ways, but um, that's the first time I've heard it phrased that way. It's almost like when, you know, we're carrying this grief, like it's just like, for me, I've, I look at it as like, it kind of like, it feels like it builds up over time. If I know in like through the past year, if I didn't release it through music or even like crying at some point, it just was building up. So I felt like when I connected 
at the piano singing and writing this song, that that lift started to happen, almost like mimicking as if you were to like cry or like hysterically cry and the feeling of getting that out. That's a feeling that I get when a song like clicks for me at the piano and that clicked during like writing this new single about him. And um, it, it happened, I think just more by like, it, it feels almost like it's a meditation when you're like writing and playing and doing a song that way. But the best way I could describe it is like, you're just surrendering to this like current feeling and, and like whatever emotion you're going to get out. And, and in my case, I was saying like, I'm waiting all this time to get better. I'm not better. They say it just takes time, but I'm waiting. All of those lines were just like these natural things that I felt like during grieving, like people were like, it's just going to take time. It's just going to take time. And that ended up being like a reoccurring line in the song. And then I'm waiting all this time to get better. I'm not better. It was like a this this theme to myself that I and kind of telling him too, like, Dad, like I'm who getting emotional for a second. Um it was like telling him, Dad, like, come on, work with me here. Like I'm trying to get better and I'm not. So um yeah, so then that's how like the title of the song came too. Um, so yeah, the process. And it does bring up I'm I got chills as soon as you said that because sometimes we want like I'm doing everything right. Why is right. it you know, why do I feel like I'm I'm slogging around or or not making any progress and I just love how you phrase that again, because I've never heard it phrased that way before. Come on, work yeah. with me on this. Um, and, and this is a thousand percent a leading question. Uh, but how are you coming to terms with not being better? Because I think as grievers, we, for the most part, we get to this place where we're like, I don't have to be better. I'm not supposed to be better. And that's just like the nature of grief. Yeah, it's it blows my mind because people, you just hear about it. You just hear like about these things, but when it happens to you, you and it and this goes back to like getting the notice at the hospital about it. I put like a time frame on it. I was like, okay, you know, I'm just gonna feel like this for a month, and then I'm gonna feel better. And then when it started to not go away, um, which was like months, that's when I started really having to dig in and like do the writing and, and connecting with like, you know, my instruments and stuff like that again to really like try and channel it out or else it just weighs on you really heavy to the point of, you know, you can just really get sick over it. Um, so this whole like thing about, you know, the work with me thing here that you were saying, it's, it's just interesting how you, you almost try to, I don't know, put a time frame on things. And then when it doesn't go that way, you're like, damn, I'm still feeling, you know, 
pretty crappy today or wow, I, you know, I can't bring him back today. And that really sucks. Um, so the only thing I kind of felt like I was able to do was, um, to turn to like, you know, my, my outlet again for it. And of course the support, you know, around me and, you know, any kind of, um, resources and things that are out there always helps obviously too. I know you kind of had a question related to that, but I don't know if I like if I answered it. Oh my gosh, I think that was perfect because you went straight into okay, like you just don't feel better. You yeah. just don't. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think there's moments of feeling better. Like, I mean, I'm like a year and a half in, I guess. Like I said, since it it, it happened, and I'm I think finally able to like immerse in like a heavy laugh with a friend or, you know, a, a good night out with my friends of food, but I, he's still always in the back of my mind, like, oh, you know, he would have, you know, loved this or, but giving yourself permission, I think is a big one. Like, okay, my dad would want me to laugh tonight, you know, like things like that, like, or, you know, with getting back into performing again and, and releasing new music or, you know, doing things, um, again, you know, he'd be really proud of that and, you know, happy, you know, he was very supportive of me and my music. So I think it's reminding yourself like, you know what, they would have, they want me to do this or like they would want me to be happy or they would want you to enjoy that laugh with your friends or your family. I wonder if there were any songs or like musical memories that you shared with your dad too, that you might share with us today. Oh my gosh. Um, he, well, something that I'll never forget was, well, he's always been like a music fan. Like he loves all types of music. So he, even like for, he was born in Italy and like, even from then he would like go to all these shows in Italy and like, make friends with people that like worked with the band and like went to parties with the band apparently and like took them out. Like when they would come to New York, when he moved to America, like he was just like this big music bluff and he loved everything from like classic rock, like to Italian music to pop music. So like he loved like the Rolling Stones and like the Doors and Led Zeppelin and things like that. And then like, Italian singers and and then like pop singers like he would call me and be like hey did you see uh, uh, Emily Sande was on you know this Today Show today or like did you see um, you know so and so was performing on TV like he just always kept up with with music and so that was a big part of like our um, relationship too and then um, at sadly at his funeral the number one thing that his all of his friends had to say to me like the only thing they said was your dad always spoke about your music to us and he was so proud of you and like every single person said that to me they were like he would play your music to us like from his phone um you know when they would be somewhere and they were just like he was just always so proud of you so part of me pushing myself again you know, since that was, is for him too. I like, you know, want to continue doing it 
to make him proud and to like feel his support too. Yeah, it sounds like music is a way that you both express him, but also connect with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a lot of that to share in common, and he understood almost like the regimen of what a singer or a musician should even um, do or think about. Like, he, he was very supportive of, like, is your band together? Do you, you know, are you sure you you should do this show acoustic or like, I think you should have a band on that one. Or <laughs> did you do your vocal? Yeah. It was so funny. He, <laughs> he like, sounds like a manager almost. I, know, and he's so not. Like, <laughs> I was totally the one that was like begging my parents to like put me in music stuff. So he, they were not like stage parents at all. And like, he was not pushing me like in a unhealthy way, but he, he totally had these like, um, ideas or like he just was like no I think you need a full band for that or like um did you do your vocal warm-ups today or like you know I I told you you should have worked on your vocals like if I was like damn like I was a little dry that day or like that performance so like he just like got it he just kind of knew like he was like you know you gotta just and you gotta go for it like he always said like you just have to go for it and and I try to I really try not to forget those things because it's so easy for you know, when we lose someone to like start to lose them in our own grief and sadness. And I have to, and I think it's important to remember like how funny they were or how great they were or the things that they would, you know, say to us to like encourage us. Because on those days that I can't encourage myself and I can't hear him I think it's important, I guess, to tell myself what he's told me before. We have all of these memories with our loved ones when they were alive. And in their deaths, it's like we we physically lose them, but then we have all of the memories that we're ever going to have with them, at least their physical selves. And you were speaking about how you've started to conjure up these memories of your dad again, remembering that he was funny or remembering that he was a cook or things like that. And I'm wondering if you can speak more on this idea of, I literally wrote down the process of memory conjuring. How do we kind of bring those memories back or keep them, keep them alive? I think both. Yeah. Um, I think it takes some work because you have to kind of get out of your own way first. I think, I think, I think I've had to get out of my own way with like, with a lot of like, obviously the, the grief and the shock and the sadness of losing him. And I think there comes a point where you have to dig in for those like memories that, that will cut through that sadness and that loss and and those memories that'll make you remember feelings about them like if you know if i think about let's say it's christmas and a certain scent i can feel and i can feel like the presence almost of him there in the kitchen or you know you can smell something baking that reminds you of them you can like see the smile on their face or, or feel the hug in a way. 
And maybe we have to embrace in that and allow ourselves to get lost in that and not lose it. And I'm telling myself that as I'm saying it, because I think so far, a year and a half in, I've been kind of more beating myself down about it than actually being like, oh, like he loved this or, you know, I'm just starting to, to, to dig into that now. Um, but it's, it's almost a, a reminder to not forget all of those great things that, that they were about and that they are about. And, um, maybe if it means even, you know, digging up pictures to feel those memories again, like, like, you know, feeling those senses, you know, get alive again about them. Um, I think that's important. Um, and again, like to tell even myself, like, I think instead of getting too lost in feeling too down about the loss, which is natural because I'm, I'm going through it, um, to remember that there's, you know, that there's still life in them that you can, can, can continue and take with you. And if this relates in any way, someone has said in my process, someone told me they were like, don't forget that like, they may not be, you know, here on earth, but you still are. So it's like up to you, you know, to continue to make it what it is here. Um, you know, because you're still here. So it was like a reminder that like, you can still kind of bring them into your life in different ways. Yeah. One of our, um, that's so beautifully said. And one of our previous podcast guests did, we had a conversation about how ultimately we are all mosaics of each other. And so Mm -hmm. when somebody dies, we, we can never recreate them wholly, but everyone who ever knew them holds a piece of them somehow. And so we are mosaics of all the people that we've ever lost. And I think that's such a tremendously cool insight because it's not ever totally up to us to pick up the mantle and carry on with their legacy, et cetera, et cetera. But literally everyone that you run into who knew your dad in some capacity, you know, everyone that has ever met him will have some kind of story about his life or music that he loved or sharing your music with them or things of that nature, because we are, we are ultimately pieces of each other. And so they can bring those little pieces of him back to you in all of your conversations, whether people are telling you, you know, Oh, your dad shared your music with me all the time, or they cook a dish that's similar, or they tell a joke that he used to tell or something. So all of these people that surround us can bring pieces of our loved ones back to us, and we can bring pieces of them back to others. I love that. I really love that. That's, that's just like a great visual and also just a great message. And that's such a, yeah, that's so true that there's all these pieces we can collect about them and there's all these memories and pieces of them that we can still put together and, and, and like kind of frame or put up. Yeah. I like that idea too. Kind of have them all in one place together. Yeah. I love it. Um, As we're closing up for the afternoon, I want to let people know where, they can find you and your song, Not Better, as well as any time you're going to be performing in person in the near future or on social, anywhere you'd like to be found, basically. 
Thank you. Well, Not Better is available anywhere that music is able to be downloaded or streamed. So um, the single's available on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Pandora Radio, Amazon. Um, so it's it's up there on all the, the um, music stores. And um, you can keep up with me personally on Instagram, and it's at Neil Davis Music. And I usually list my tour dates and things like that via uh, my official site or Instagram. And my official site's just neildavismusic.com. Um, and I've got some some tour dates and stuff coming up for the spring and summer that we're just finalizing right now. Neil, I'm so glad to have had the uh, the gift of being able to talk to you this afternoon, uh, both about your dad and your favorite music and his favorite music, but also this process of like letting it be okay that it's not better and uh, and conjuring up these memories of our loved ones too. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has really been a treat for me and thank you for everything that you do for, you know, your community and, you know, on this, you know, podcast. So thank you so much for having me. I wonder where you are and what you're doing. I wonder how you are. And what you're feeling They say it just takes time But I'm waiting Just a little time But I'm fading I'm waiting all this time To get better I'm waiting all So that's all for this episode of Coming Back. Thank you so incredibly much to musician Neil Davis for coming on the show and for sharing your song, Not Better, with us. Neil came back by connecting with his grief through music and by continuing to tell and share stories about his dad. You can find a link to Neil's website and Instagram where you can download and stream Not Better in the show notes. To keep this little grief podcast going and receive insider bonuses like weekly grief journaling prompts, podcast swag, and hangout time with me, pledge to support the show at patreon.com slash Shelby Thank you endlessly this week to Celine, Melissa, Christine, Emily, Julie, Donna, and Marin for pledging on Patreon. I cannot wait to see you behind the scenes. Join me for Coming Back's two-year podcast anniversary party by joining my private Facebook group, The Grief Growers Garden, before Tuesday, May 14th. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to Coming Back on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or tell a friend about Coming Back, because you never know what someone you love is going through. Thank you always to Mr. Addie Goldstein, who composed our theme music. You can find me on Facebook at Shelby Forsythia, Intuitive Grief Guide, Instagram at Grief Guide Shelby Forsythia, or simply ShelbyForsythia.com. If you'd like to leave a question or comment for a future show, email Shelby at ShelbyForsythia.com.
As always, my dear grief growers, it is beautiful sharing this space and time with you today. I see you. I am proud of you and the work that you're doing in the world. And I love you. Because even through grief, we are growing. I wonder where you are and what you're doing. One-on-one grief coaching is a powerful way to sit across from your loss and say, what do you have to teach me? If you're ready to start sharing your story or you're looking for tools, exercises, and a map forward in the aftermath of loss, please head to shelbyforsythia.com slash grief coaching to fill out an interest form. Grief is a personal experience, but we don't have to go it alone. My heart and ears are here to witness and companion your grief story, and I would be honored to provide a foundation for you as we explore, construct, and navigate your own coming back. Find out more and get in touch for a free 30-minute consultation call at shelbyforsythia.com slash grief dash coaching. Give your grief the gift of coaching at shelbyforsythia.com slash grief dash coaching.